Welcome to Hey Joe, a podcast answering questions asked by our listeners. Created by pet professionals for pet professionals. And now, your host, Hey Joe's very own, Joe Zuccarello. What's up, everyone? Joe Zuccarello here, and welcome to Hey Joe, a podcast brought to you by Paragon School of Pet Grooming. Check out our site at paragonpetschool.com for lots of really cool information on a variety of programs, products, and to connect to educational resources such as webinars, podcasts, current events, special news, certifications, and lots of other helpful information to help you grow yourself, your team, and of course your business. Let's get started with this week's episode. Hello again out there in the Hey Joe listener audience. This is Joe Zuccarello. I'm your host of the Hey Joe podcast. And you know, from time to time, we have, uh, uh, we get asked questions uh, in, in, in our business at Paragon School of Pet Grooming, LearnToGroomDogs.com. And, and just, you know, anytime when you're, when, you're, when you're around other, especially grooming professionals, we get asked questions all the time. But I will tell you the number one question that we get asked is how do I improve my speed and my efficiency? In essence, they might even, groomers might not even use those words. They might just say, how do I groom faster and how do I make more money? And I have a, uh, a guru in that regard on my podcast today, and I'm thrilled to welcome our guest, Judy Hudson, to the Hey Joe podcast today. Judy, thanks for joining us today. Hi, Joe. Thanks for having me. So Judy, give us a little bit of a, I mean, you're, you're an icon in the business and you're probably humble and you don't want to say that you are, but you are. And anybody who's listening listening to this podcast who has been in grooming for any amount of time has heard your name and know a little bit about you. But part of the Hey Joe podcast is bringing some of these experts to the audience, to the listeners, to get them more comfortable in knowing who you are. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and your experience and sort of what got you to where you are today? Sure. Um, I'm just a country girl. I was raised on a farm in Kentucky. I thought I would work with horses the rest of my life, making minimum wage. And um, I, I ended up going to college to be a veterinary technician. And um, it was a two-year program. It took me three to get through it. Um, <laughs> so academia was not my strong point. And I was working at a veterinary clinic. And the um, one day, the groomer walked out. And I had already noticed that she made more money than I did. And she got to leave when she was done. She didn't have to punch time clock. And I was like, that appealed to me. And so, and she could make as much money as hard as she wanted to work. So when she walked out, because I was a horse girl, I knew how to use a pair of clippers, been a veterinary technician. Um, I was a, I knew how to use a pair of clippers. I'd shaved down dogs and done stuff like that. Um, I picked up the old stone dog grooming book and I started grooming dogs just like that. Mm -hmm. And um, from there, I saw uh, Groomer to Groomer magazine come through the office and um, Rick Cleveland was on the cover from Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And he had done a creative that was the Phantom of the Opera. So I looked in and read up on them and found out, you know, I was like, oh, there's competition that this, this could be fun. And so I called him up and I said, Hey, I, this is who I am. This is what I've done. I want to be where you are. And they were like, well, we don't teach people. And I said, but you don't understand. I'll work hard. I'll work for free if you will teach me. And, um, 
And long story short, they took me on, I went on Saturdays, every Saturday, it was an over an hour drive to their shop. Um, I was pregnant with Annie Kate at the time and uh, she just turned 24. So um, it was, um, she, and then when she was born, she would lay in a dog bed in the middle of their grooming room. <laughs> but she, and you know what? Me. Only dog grooming professionals out there will appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. And my, and she, she spent a fair amount of time in a dog crate too. So um, I'm not going <laughs> You but didn't I mean, close what, the door. I know you didn't, right? We have to be yeah, careful. Yeah, I did because that was the safest place for her. You know, you put a you know, it's like a playpen. In there, you put her toys in there, and it's better than oh, a playpen. That's too much. That is too great. much. So fast but, forward, then, Judy, your career lent itself. I mean, I see you walking around. Well, not this year. This is the year of 2020, right? The the year of this podcast recording. If you're listening to it, whenever you're listening to it, we are talking in November of 2020. So. Uh, I was going to say, I, I see you every year walking around and, 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 and doing judging or emceeing at shows and things of that sort. So fast forward, uh, except with the exception of this year being able to do that, but fast forward to where it is now that you, you where your career has, has taken you. Okay, so um, I started competing. I was on the United States groom team in 2005, won a gold medal. Um, after that, I retired uh, from the competition world to judge and speak. Uh, I've been fortunate to speak in uh, Brazil, Australia, China, Canada, um, Ireland, England. Um, so the, the, the industry has, has allowed me to see parts of the world that I would have never been able to do. Um, I own my own business and I have I am booked a year in advance. Um, and it's a mobile business, correct? Yes, and it's mobile, okay. and I, I started out in a 75 Ford motorhome back in the day, took my daughter with me every day. Um, uh, she was raised in the grooming band, and so I learned very quickly how to be efficient, um, and I've had people uh, before when we have done, like we have a video on learntogroomdogs.com where I groom a standard poodle start to finish bath, ears, nails, the whole nine yards in less than 90 minutes. And people were appalled that you could do that. They were like, oh, why would you want to be that quick? Oh, why? I mean, I mean, I could do that if I wanted the dog to look like a weed eater hit it. But it's like, no, you, you can be efficient and you can also put out quality work. And um, my parents taught me a long time ago, if you don't have time to do it right the first time, you don't have time to do it again. Mm. And the last thing I ever want to happen is to send a dog in and then those people call me back because something wasn't right. And so, um, and competing was one of the things that really helped me with time management. Because when you walk in that ring, you have however much time uh, to finish that groom hmm. and it has to be really good and um if you're going to be competitive and so and I would hear groomers all the time that I would coach and they'd come back and they well, I only have I only have you know 60 minutes to do this groom and I'm like yeah so does everybody else you know <laughs> it, yep. it's, it, we're all on the same page here you know we all have the same time frame so you know we all have the same amount of time in the day and how we use it um 
is 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 up to us. And um, being efficient is, um, you know, when you you're the sole support for a family of four, you figure it out. Um, so. So let's um, so let's talk about that, Judy. So let's okay. So what, what I and love the perspective that you bring to to the listener audience out there, and that you know, in 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 the in the competition ring, that was a big influence for you about learning to to be efficient. Because I think unless unless there's some extenuating or some external force helping us get faster and more efficient, right? Then sometimes whether you have four dogs a day to do or eight dogs a day, it's remarkable to me that professional groomers. Can still get that done in eight or nine hours in the day whether they have four four if you only have four you'll stretch them out if you only have if you have eight you'll still get them done so let's translate that let's take some of the influences from your from your experience in the industry and even that show ring uh, influence as far as efficiency and speed and let's start to kind of break down this you know when i talk to people and, and, and i've had the pleasure of being around dog groomers for my entire career. That's no secret. I've been in this business for 36 years and most of it's been around groomers. And I personally have seen groomers do spectacular work in a safe and, 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 and quality centered uh, uh, practice and, 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 and on average perform a dog an hour, right? Groom a dog per hour. And, and I think when I tell people that now, they look at me like sometimes like, how is that even possible? So during the course of this podcast, uh, listeners out there, we're going to, Judy's going to help kind of unpack that and sort of dispel the myth that groomers cannot do a dog per hour, right? So to help you get closer to that dog per hour. Now, I understand to Judy's point earlier, standard poodle, start to finish 90 minutes, all of the doodles out there. I understand this, these dogs are going to naturally take longer. But if you study your production over a month or over a quarter or even, even longer than that, the idea is, is how close can we get you to a dog per hour? Because that will maximize your income potential. And our goal in this podcast is to help you maximize your income potential without sacrificing quality, without sacrificing safety. So Judy, how will the earnings potential of a groomer change when they can improve their speed? Well, time is money, Joe. I mean, you know that just like I do. And so, um, you know, if you can add a dog a day, that's for a lot of people, six dogs a week at an average, what, say, uh, for me, well, even, that's, even $50, right? It's 300 bucks a week. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, being mobile and being in Nashville, you know, that would double for me um, mm -hmm. if I'm just doing little dogs. Um, and so, but to start off with, um, you know, you either plan to succeed or you plan to fail, all right? And managing your clientele and not letting them manage you. And so I booked a year in advance. And I do that because... I want my, I want to know exactly what's walking in my door or into my truck. Okay. I know exactly how long it's going to take me. I know exactly, you know, uh, what kind of condition that dog's going to be in. And, uh, I know exactly what kind of haircut he's going to get. And so the way that you get to that though, is to back it up just a little bit is that when I worked with Chris Pulaski, she always said, you groom for your next appointment. So let's say Fluffy comes in every six weeks 
and we've been doing her with a um, half inch comb. But every time she's matted. So the next time she comes in, in the areas that she's matted, I'm probably gonna go down a comb attachment size, okay? Um, mm. In the areas where she's matting or they're having issues brushing or whatever the case may be. Uh, I'm gonna take their, um, um, the insides of the back legs a, a not shorter uh, than the outside. I'm gonna probably do the insides of the front legs a little shorter and make sure that the armpits are nice and short and clean and tiny. Um, things like that. If they're matted behind the ears, I may take behind the ears and the cheeks a little bit shorter. Uh, because let's face it, the dogs don't want to have to be matted. It's not their fault. So if we can just be proactive uh, in that, and these are things that I would do and not even discuss it with the customer. Um, it's just the way I do things because it's the best thing for the dog. Okay. Well, and it really doesn't um, change the look, the finish look. Most of those things, we're not going to change the finish look of the dog. Exactly. Right? Those are those are those 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 uh, non-obvious areas, if you would. But I love that tip. I mean, if you, okay, guys, I, I should have warned you. The Hey Joe listener audience out there should have warned you. You should have, have a pen and paper, if that's the way. If you like old school note writing, like I do, or at least have your note section open on your phone, because you're going to have a lot of tips that Judy's going to give you. And that's the very first one. I just love that. That that you and Chris uh, talked about and that she shared with you, which was always groom for your next appointment. Yeah. And, um, and then the other thing that I do is, you know, we, we have a lot of doodles nowadays and people are always fussing about the doodles. And the thing about it is, is doodles, they're just another mixed breed dog, y'all, that the owners have been misinformed about the grooming needs. And we are the expert and you have to educate your clientele. And I have several that are weekly and bi-weekly customers and they want their dogs long. And what I do is I go every week for just a bath until they start to mat. And when they start to mat within a week's time, then they get a haircut. Um, it's the same price across the board, no matter what I do to them. Um, and so when, with that, I can do a little bit of neatening up, um, as I go. Now I always do nails, sanitary pads, you know, uh, ears, all that stuff. But so it just keeps them maintained. Same thing with the ones that are on a, a two week course. I've got one dog when she finally gets him a haircut, he's every two weeks, um, his hair was over six inches long the last time I gave him a haircut. Wow. And um, it, it, it's just, it, but what I do when somebody tells me that they want their dog to be long, I just explain to them um, that in order to do that, we'll have to maintain his coat. I mean, like your hair, well, maybe your hair, but not most people's hair. They Certainly not go. my hair. <laughs> <laughs> They can't go. You wouldn't want to go six weeks without combing your hair, would you? You know, how painful would that be? So, you know, you wash your hair, you know, every other day or every day or whatever. And so the dogs need to at least have a bath and to be brushed out once a week, every two weeks. Or say they, they're they a, um, a monthly customer, they want a haircut once a month, then I, I get them to come in for a bath every two weeks. Uh, if they're a six-week customer, every three weeks they get a bath. So... 
and it, it just makes life easy. So, and so Judy, you know what I, you know what I like about that? Sorry for stepping on you for, but I, I, but something struck me there. What I liked about that, because one of the topics that I want to talk to you about was scheduling and what you're talking about is originally when I thought of scheduling, I'm thinking scheduling for a day, right? But what you're saying is you're pacing, you are scheduling for a year. You're looking at saying now, and I, and, and, and the point I want to make out there too, Judy, with, because everybody's saying, yeah, well, that's fine. Cause she's got this kind of clientele. She's got that client that type of clientele. I don't know that pet parents are that much different anywhere. They're looking for somebody who's a subject matter expert. They're looking for somebody to say, if you want the best for your pet, for best results, and I love that, for best results, dot, 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 right? What a great role for an expert to have. They're looking for you to define what is best results, and then they are part of the decision-making process. Do they want to participate in that, or do they not? We're not making that decision for them. What we're saying as a subject matter expert, if I'm hearing you right, is if you want that, here's how I can help you get there. You're not... Right. You're not controlling them. This is not some sort of mind control. You're saying if that's the result, I can get you there. But here's what here's here's what you need to bring to the table in order to do that. And you're saying in a very kind way. Yes. And then the other thing is if the dog comes in and he's matted, and you know, a lot of times uh groomers will just shave them down and they won't even talk to the customers about it. And um, you know, ball dogs don't get groomed very often. So you're really cutting yourself, shooting yourself in the foot if you're just shaving these dogs down and not having a conversation with the owners and, um, and teaching skin and coat for years and years and years and years and ex being able to explain to that customer how the hair grows, why it grows, what is the dematting process, you know? And so I always give them the option. If it's possible for me to demat this dog, if it's not completely pelted, um, you know, I give them the option. This is what it's gonna cost if I shave him down and we start all over. And in doing that, then I go into the maintenance schedule to get them on because mm -hmm. um, you can't just go six weeks from now and not put a brush on him. Um, no, you're starting so, all over again, right? So, right, you're starting so, all so, over. So Judy, what about that day though? That, that, that single day, are you a fan of all dogs come in between seven and nine in the morning. Go back to brick and mortar days. Cause I know that you're in a mobile and you, there's no way, there's no way you can be at seven places at one time, but, right. but are you, are, are you a fan of all of the dogs come in between a certain period of time and then the groomers kind of pick and choose and then, and then, you know, pets go out at, at, at when, you know, call when finished, or are you more of a fan of start to finish more of a, a, is it on the hour? Is it on 90 minutes to give you enough time to, 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 to get a quick break and, and, and use the bathroom and clean and then hit the next dog. What, you know, hit the next grooming. So what, what do you think is the, do you have a, do you have any recommendations? Cause I think oh, there's a lot of groomers and I, I know I have a lot of grooming shop owners also, Judy, that listen to this particular podcast that would love to know what Judy thinks about the daily schedule for one groomer. The daily schedule for one groomer. Can I back up just one second and cover the other option that I give those people that have matted dogs. Of course, um, please, yes. Um, is that I can demat him, and this is what it would cost. I charge a dollar a minute, and I don't get in any hurry because I'm not going to make him uncomfortable. Um, but then the decision is up to them. So you're not the bad guy anymore. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, we need to take that off the table. It's not our, you know, it, we let them make that decision and then they can, they can go, 
okay, uh, let's just shave him down and we'll start all over. And, or, you know what, just take your time, demat him, do what you need to do. So anyway, that's, that's something else that I do. And then that just Great takes point. the pressure off of me and I let them make the decision. So um, daily, if I was in a shop, I would probably do two shifts. I would do um, um, a shift for the early morning people. You know, I started mobile because people's biggest complaint was, why do I have to leave my dog all day? If it only takes you an hour, hour and a half to groom my dog. And now it's just funny to me that people take their dogs and leave them all day for daycare. <laughs> you know, which is another great way. And pay for, for it, right? What a great way yeah, to make some revenue, charge for daycare. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so, but anyway, um, I would probably do two shifts where uh, a group would come in early in the morning for people that need to drop off on their way to work. And then I would have maybe people that are night shift people, um, or, or second shift, they could drop their dogs off between 12 and one. And then, you know, everybody's different. Like I would have my groomers that love to be up early and get out early. I'd have them work that first shift. And then the second shift, um, you know, I would have my later people that wanted to work maybe till six or seven, but they don't want to come in till noon, you know? Um, and so making it to where that, you know, the owner's, have an option because a lot of our business is customer service and giving the customers what they want. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. No, I, I agree with you completely. And it's also then keeping, you know, all, all groomers are going to be at different skill levels, right? And we're going to talk a little bit about skill levels in a little bit. So that's also going to dictate your schedule as well as our shop owner. So we're going to hit put the pause button. We're going to push the pause button on that because I think skills development and such. I know, Judy, you have a real, uh, uh, a, a very passionate feeling and uh, 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 an angle and some, uh, uh, some guidance for that. So let's talk, Judy, let's hop over to then from scheduling. Let's hop over to, again, we're talking to Judy Hudson about improving your speed and efficiency. And at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is we're trying to serve as many pet parents and pets as we possibly can in a safe and high quality uh, manner but also helping professional groomers maximize their income potential. Judy, so much of speed and efficiency has got to depend on equipment and tool selection, doesn't it? I absolutely love equipment wise. I love my hydrosurge baiting system. Um, it, it's my go-to. It's one of the things that I would never want to ever have to groom without. Um, uh, there's, two different kinds. There's one that is a recirculator that I use in the grooming van because it uses less water. Um, I can use any kind of shampoo with it. Um, and it only takes an ounce of shampoo to bathe just about any size dog. Uh, and it's volume of water. It's not pressure. So um, it, it, it gets down. And again, if you know about skin and coat, um, the skin takes six weeks to go from the bottom layer to the top. So at six weeks, which is about when we commonly see a lot of dogs, because uh, they start to smell, they start to feel yucky. It's because all those dead skin cells are setting on the top of the dog, all right, on the top of the skin. And so this technology, um, it like is the perfect amount of pressure and volume of water to lift those dead cells off. Okay, without scrubbing, because the more we scrub, the more we stimulate the skin, which will also stimulate the oil, oil production. Okay, so like if you have a dog, if you ever had anybody come in and they are like, um, oh, um, I don't know what's going on. Its back is just greasy. 
And my first question is always, well, have you bought a new uh, grooming tool? And they're like, yeah, I bought a Furminator or whatever. And, and usually they use it right down the middle of the back because that's the easiest spot to get to. And if you use that more than three strokes in any one spot, you're going to overstimulate the oil glands. So you want to be careful when you're, you're bathing these dogs that you're not overstimulating the skin. So, you know, learning and educating yourself and learn to groom dog has tons of videos on um, skin and coat and bathing and drying um, systems and so on and so forth. So that's, that's what I use is the hypersurge bathing system. And so, I, so, some, so some assistance during the bathing is going, because again, you know, these fundamentals, right? I know that, that, that Melissa Verplank is, is, you know, she is, she is just solidly set on, listen, fundamentals make or, or, or break volume and variety of dog or volume of dogs and speed and efficiency, right? So the bathing fundamentals, what about, what about just tool selection for, for a, the, the caliber of skill level? Because I, I know that sometimes the wrong tool with the wrong skill level is not a good combination. Is that right? Right. And that's why the hydro surge, like Joe, my kids work for me. And my son, God bless him, if he could get a dog clean with the hydrosurge bathing system, you could not get a dog clean with that with that bathing system because if anybody could have done it, he could. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he was one of those kids that was always, is that good enough? Where my daughter was like, he's good and clean, right? He's sweet. He, you know, I got him straight, you know, that kind of thing. So I know that that system, no matter what skill level you're at, you can't screw it up. Got okay. It. Um, um, and then the, the drying methods, like, um, you know, also I, uh, learned over the years to do a lot of my dematting in the tub while the dog is soapy. I do my de-shedding in the tub while the dog is soapy. This is stuff you can teach your bathers to do. Okay. Again, they, because they, I feel like bathers get bored if all they're doing is bathing and drying a dog all day when they could do some of the de-shedding and some of the de-matting and some of the brushing. Um, and so anyway, the Hydrosurge bathing system, a good quality shampoo, if your groomers are complaining about their hands being um, cracking and bleeding, I've seen a lot of that lately, um, um, eczema, things like that, then either your your water is too hot uh, or the type of shampoo that you're using is too harsh. Mm -hmm. um, so the quality of your products, invest in yourself, invest in your products and your tools. Um, I love the Canine 2 dryers. Uh, I use three nozzles, um, but I also use the Happy Hoodie I put a towel on the table. I wrap the dog in a towel. Um, and I start with the um, smallest nozzle and I go through and blast the water off. And I use, I don't go back and forth really quickly. I go uh, like from the front of the dog to the back of the dog, slow and methodical. All right. And then I go down each leg and then I go to the next leg and then I'll go around and then I hit their head and the ears. And I want the entire dog dried at the same time. I don't leave my head to the last thing because if you do, it's going to get wrinkled. It's like if you went to, hair, to bed with your hair wet and then you tried to style it the next morning. 
okay, it's not going to be pretty. So, um, and then once I get them pretty dry and I get all the wrinkles out, then I'll switch to a nozzle that I have cut in two. And then I'll go over and I'll slowing down. So because now you're, the K92 does not have a heat element in it, but it heats up as it goes. So now I'm getting a little bit of heat in there. So that's going to help me to stretch that coat and slow down and just get a little bit slower. And as I go around this dog, I don't use a fluff dryer in the mobile van. Um, I'm able to do everything that I need to do and put out quality work with just using my K92. So then, but Judy, Judy, let me let me interject just real quick. So you're saying, because I know that there's a lot of a lot of places out there, and I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's good, but a lot of places out there might, uh, you know, they'll they'll do a quick towel dry, quick towel dry at the tub, which I know that there's a certain amount of investment of time you can spend in towel drying, really save yourself on the back end of drying. But sometimes right. they'll just they'll shortcut towel drying. So I, I think that's an area where. If we invest a few extra minutes, I think that helps us. But Absolutely. in the drying process, then Judy, are you saying, because uh, there are a lot of people out there to my point, or the way I started this comment, my point was, is there's a lot of people out there that will use a high velocity dryer or some sort of just a force out like a lot of the, the water, but then they'll put the dog into a, like a, a, a into a, a, an enclosure, like a cage or a kennel with a fan or a drying kennel or something of that sort. Are you a fan of, for speed and efficiency sake? although it might not feel like it. Are you a fan of getting that dog completely dry once it leaves the tub so that you're not using a, dry, a, a dryer or a fan? Absolutely. Because you're gonna spend more time trying to get the wrinkles out of that dog when you put him back on the table than you would if you went on and dried him completely to begin with. So it's worth the time, it's worth the investment. Actually, it's speedier and more efficient to do the dry right. completely straight through. Because when you get that dog dry and you get him straight, your groom is going to be easier. It's going to take you less time to groom that dog. And that groom is going to last longer. So your customer is going to feel like he's getting a better value for his money because his dog's going to stay looking nice longer than somebody that cage dried his dog. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, and especially and when one of those... you're doing your double-coated dogs. Well, and that's one of those areas in, in, in grooming that seems like a, it almost seems, it almost seems like it wouldn't work to that degree, but it does. And I've seen it happen too. So I, I, I know, and I can appreciate your opinion of drying the dog all the way straight through. And to your point, double-coated dogs, getting that shedding hair and an undercoat out as well, getting, having the ability to let air do that work, I think is a real benefit. Right. And, and those dogs need to be dried um, completely as well so that you get rid of all that um, coat and I, I hear stories Joe of people they they take their dogs in to have them bathe their shepherds and labs and they, they pay for a de-shed process and then they tell them when they pick the dog up that he's going to shed more for a couple of days now that's not congruent with what I know and what I have learned and the way hair grows. If that dog is de-shedded properly uh, and he is bathed and dried properly, he should go home with very little hair, if any, coming off of him. Mm -hmm. um, and I have had customers that have, that I have de-shedded their dogs and they're people that are allergic 
and they they take their comforters in to have them dry cleaned at the same time. Um, and and they, they were going somewhere like that. And then after I did them, they were like, oh my goodness, this is way different. And he actually feels like, he, he acts like he feels better. Okay. So when you have 25 hairs for common opening and they're not being assisted out while the dog is still soapy and wet, while the hair is still more pliable and the skin is more pliable, you're doing a huge disservice if you're not releasing all that and getting all that out because that hair is ready to be released, okay? And if it's just sitting there in those pores, clogging up those pores, and I don't know however many thousands of pores there are on the body, can you imagine how bad that that, that animal has to feel? Right. And, and two, you know, there's, uh, uh, you know, I, I was fortunate enough back in the mid nineties to have been one of these early uh, adopters of, of official shed control treatments, shed control processes that are done in the grooming, uh, in the grooming business and actually, and actually literally promoting our solution to say, if you have a dog that sheds, we have the solution. You don't have to live with that amount of hair in the home. And in fact, you would think that it's more of a benefit for the pet parent because they're only vacuuming maybe once a week instead of once a day, but it's also a benefit for the pet because all of that coat is out, right? And you've assisted, you're not stopping shedding, right, Judy? You're just helping move the process along a little bit and getting that coat out for the pet. Exactly. Uh, uh, yeah. But so the I, shampoo and, alone doesn't do it. You have no. to do, you have to <laughs> break and comb and brush and, and dry that dog. Um, and, you know, and by using the high velocity dryer, um, you're allowing, you're letting your equipment do the work for you. Right. Okay. Yeah. And that's, and that's, and that's why I think it's so important to talk about the equipment like you have about uh, uh, help with bathing to get the, the most ideal bathing uh, quality output uh, using, and, and all of these things, Judy, everything you're describing are skin friendly. They're coat friendly. You're using water. You're using yes. air. You're not, and, and let's not mistake. I mean, grooming is hard work. I get it. But if you can save a few minutes of your muscle time, your elbow time, your hand time, your fingers time, your thumb time, you might actually pick up a little bit longer life in grooming <laughs> than, right. than, than using a lot more physical uh, effort and, and not letting right. the equipment work. So let's talk about, so we've talked about scheduling. Awesome. We've talked about equipment and tools and some products and things. Let's talk about the environment, helping the environment work for you, right? So you're in a mobile unit and, and you know, we've got friends at, at all the mobile unit uh, 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 outfitters and such. And one of the things that just impresses me when I look inside of a mobile van is, uh, any mobile grooming unit, is how they're designed. There's, there's a very thoughtful process in how they're designed. And they're designed to help the groomer with process and flow. Right. So when 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 I was outfitting grooming, uh, grooming rooms and grooming departments and I get a chance to talk to people about their grooming departments, one of the areas when they say that they that they think that there's some time being wasted, I look and see what is their flow? What is their 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 process? Somebody once asked me, they said, you know, my, I feel like my groomers are, are they're just they're not able to do as many dogs as what they need to. Well, they're part of a full service pet care facility and the dog and, the, and these and these groomers are walking across the uh, essentially across the entire facility to get their dog to take it outside, to go to the potty, right? Then to come into the grooming room, 
well, if, if I said, well, how long is that process? Well, it takes them, I said, time it. So they walked, it was, it was five to seven minutes per pet. Mm-hmm. You add that up in a six or seven dog day, there's an extra dog. Yeah. So could we have somebody bringing them their dogs? Again, groomers are producers. We started right. out before we started recording this talking about, you know, your most blissful moment is when you have hands and fur, but it's also your most productive moment. You're not productive going and getting a dog, mm-hmm. right? You're productive with your superpowers grooming the dog. So can we help that process and flow? So what would you recommend in a process and flow? That's one example, maybe, right? Keep them, keeping the dogs closer. But in process and flow, do you have any other recommendations for our groomer, grooming professionals out there? Because I made my own trucks, you know, because I was broke as a joke. And um, my 75 Ford, I had no idea what I was doing. And then, you know, I made, oh gosh, I probably outfitted like four myself before I bought a commercial van. And I was in awe of the, how everything was at my fingertips, like mm-hmm. everything, um, having hydraulic tables, um, so that I'm not having to, you know, lift and struggle with these great big dogs that don't necessarily want to get on the table. Um, the, um, the groomer's helper, um, that's another, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I've had Chuck on the podcast before. For all of you, hey, Joe, listener listener audience out there, if you haven't listened, uh, Judy just mentioned the groomer's helper. If you want to go back to one of my previous episodes with Chuck Simons to talk about the groomer's helper, uh, (laughs) call Chuck, talk to Chuck's team, talk to him about how that would save a groomer time and effort and maybe even keep the groomer safe from some naughty dogs, right? Um, But just having that, 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 uh, 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 that tool can also help. So Judy, would you recommend it? if, if a groomer out there has not seen the inside of a mobile unit, would you recommend that they need to, because you can kind of start maybe picking up on how you can create an environment that helps with process and flow. If you study the mobile design. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and I, 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 I can't say enough about my truck. Like I love, 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 love my truck. And, um, it's like, it's my sanctuary. It's where I am in control of what happens in my world, which the rest of the world, as you well know, is not that way. So yes, and actually on the Wagon Tails site, you can take a virtual tour of the Wagon Tails trucks and look at those. Um, I'm sure uh, other van companies have the same thing, but that's, um, I have been a Wagon Tails fan from the get-go. Um, Anybody that um, has, what did she, Dina had 17 bands on the road at one time. Uh, I have uh, great respect for her and the skill that it took to do that and to make those bands and stuff. So yes, um, I think that, and I think sometimes we like the big open airy, you know, um, things, but then I think sometimes that that, that dogs don't feel as secure in the big open area places as they do in more of a, smaller cozier environment it's they tend to be um less stimulated uh it's one-on-one the groomer's not distracted by what's going on on another table um so i i i i think there's i think it's beautiful a lot of the big salons like that but i think for the dog sometimes it could be um, more beneficial for them to be in a 
more enclosed, um, less stimulus space. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Obviously, you know, we're speaking to we're speaking to professional dog groomers all across the world right now. And, you know, some are like, yeah, that'd be great. But, you know, I'm not going to go and buy a mobile van or, or some of these owner operators who are out there saying, yeah, okay, well, I don't want my groomers to leave and go buy a mobile van. But you know what would be interesting? And I know why we do this. And, and, and I'm guilty as charged because I've designed a lot of grooming rooms over my, you know, three and a half decades out there. But I guess I always wondered, though, is if we study, because I've gotten a little bit more familiar with this, if we study what a mobile unit looks like on the inside, and if we could create that, even on the inside of a larger room where say we have almost like pods, right? Almost like these small, like a fully, you know, fully capable, self-sufficient grooming areas. And we do this right now with grooming stations, like a table and, and, and maybe a counter or tool cart or, you know, the dryers, you know, we surround ourselves even, even with some cages, you know, kennels for the pets to be kept in temporarily while they're waiting for their pet parents to come back and pick them up or whatever. But I guess my point is I've often wondered, I know why we put our tub area in a, in a, in another area because we want to maximize, you know, how much money we're spending uh, uh, on plumbing and drains and such. But I've always wondered if I were to recreate a grooming room, would I not invest the dollars and come out ahead if I gave every groomer, if I essentially took the footprint from inside a van and duplicated that inside of a facility just three times or four times or even once or twice inside, depending on the size of your facility. So I've often thought about what would it be like if you did that? And I, I think you'd actually pick up efficiency. So anybody out there that maybe is contemplating starting a, a grooming business or opening up another location might be worth considering. So let's, uh, Judy, let's move on then to uh, skills development. Now we're talking, now we're talking about capability, right? So we've talked about scheduling, time management, equipment, tools, products, process, flow. We've talked about all of those things. And now it comes down to the individual's capability. And I want to bring us home on the podcast on this particular topic. What, what is your position on skills development, ongoing education, and sort of that motivating yourself for self-improvement, essentially competing against yourself to get faster and more efficient? Clarity is power. And when we are clear on the process, when we are clear on what this groom entails, whether it's a purebred dog or a mixed breed dog, you know, if we know, if we can groom to structure um, and think about that, um, you have, you know, every, almost every dog has a level top line, unless it's a Bedlington or a Dandy Denmont, um, or a slightly sloping, but if you go level, you're ahead of the game. If you have your legs be straight and parallel, you're ahead of the game. Um, there, you know, if you can, and I, I get very, um, uh, frustrated with groomers that are, intimidated by the breed standard um, because the breed standard is just a little bit more than grooming to structure. And that's one of the things that I love about Melissa's book, uh, Notes from the Grooming Table, is that like in the first couple of pages, there is the body structure of the dogs. There's the bone structure of the dogs. And learning that and getting it in your head, it's not 
that hard. When I first started grooming and I would have a show dog person come and I'd be like, oh my God, they show dogs and I'm just a dog groomer and I don't know. They don't know any more than you do. I mean, I go to grooming shows or grooming um, dog shows and I see dogs that don't have parallel lines. They don't have level top lines. Their dogs have mats in them. Um, and so being able to get a dog properly prepared, I'm ahead of the game, right? So teaching yourself or, you know, going on learntogroomdogs.com, you know, and if you've never been on there, guys, that's the easiest, most user-friendly platform because not everybody learns the same way. And by having several different, or I don't know how many different um, trainers on there, you know, you're, you'll find somebody that speaks to you. Okay. I'm very blunt to the point. I don't sugarcoat anything. It's like, this is what you do. Da, 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 da. And then there's other people like Sue Watson and Lisa Levy, and they're a little softer and they're a little easier. And so you just have to find the person that you can relate to. Okay. And we are all teaching the same thing. Okay. Um, there are levels on there from the absolute stark beginner to bather brushers to competition grooming to show grooming. So, you know, invest in yourself, okay, to learn these things. And if you don't pick up but one tip from a video, it will change your life, okay? Because once you learn that one thing, then you're going to go, oh, well, what else is on here that I could learn? And I still learn all the time uh, by watching other people groom or listening to other people, um, you know, and have an open mind. Just because you've done something for 50 years, guess what? There might be a better way to do it. And Very true. That's um, the other thing that makes me um, very sad about groomers is I just was on a, a group the other day and people were like, you know, does anybody out there groom that doesn't have body aches from grooming? And, you know, and I'm like, I don't, you know, and I'm 61 and I groom as many dogs um, in a day as anybody and uh, possibly more. Now, this year I do have a bather, but last year I groomed by myself and, um, you know, I work really hard, but I also take care of myself and, uh, I have done a lot of body work. I've also done a lot of, uh, deep diving into nutrition and food and stuff like that. And so, you know, there are ways to have longevity in this industry and not kill yourself. Well, Judy, you know, you, you, you make some really great points. There. I mean, and you've just been, oh my gosh, just a treasure trove of experience sharing tips and recommendations and considerations for the grooming professional out there. And I, I you know, I, I think, I, I, and what a great way to close this podcast episode by saying you have to take care of yourself because this is a physically demanding job. And I know all of you out there are like, yeah, Joe, we know. But what Judy's trying to tell you is we all recognize that. And there are some things you can do. And if you're 20 something, you don't have things that hurt yet, but they will. Right. <laughs> yeah. You absolutely will. So 
let's try to avoid that by doing some of these things that Judy's talking about. And, and at the end of the day, obviously it's customers first, right? So always trying to do the best we can for the customers and, and, and also do the best we can for ourselves, because if we're not doing the best for ourselves, we won't do the best for our customers. So Judy, I just, I want to thank you again. You're just such a, such a, a joy and a pleasure. And, and I know that there's lots of, uh, of ways for people to, to reach you. I, I think, Judy, you are, when you mentioned learntogroomdogs.com, you might be, uh, the, we might have more videos of, of Judy Hudson on learntogroomdogs.com than we have of any other training expert. Uh, and I think we just tipped the scale of over a thousand videos, not of you. <laughs> Thank you yeah. if you did, but, <laughs> but I, I don't, don't misunderstand me, but I know that I think by volume, I think, you know, Judy, you're, you're certainly one of the most popular training experts on learntogroomdogs.com. So Judy, thank you so much for sharing your uh, uh, intellect, your tips and giving back to the industry once again, like you always do. I appreciate you being part of the podcast. Thanks for having me, Joe. I enjoyed it.